Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Polstring Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, Mark. Nice to see you. This is a great morning. Today, we have uh, Marshall Conley, who's the senior consultant at the American Institutes for Research. Hello, Marshall. Hi. I, I, am, I am thrilled to have you on the call and the, our show, 805 Conversations, is based around the 805 region, which is here in Central mm-hmm. California, and you're calling in from Illinois. And the reason I've asked you to be on the show is that you and I have worked together for now going on three years on a project called Connected Educators Month, or ConnectedEducators.org, and I am on a mission this quarter to get every teacher in the 805 region involved in Connected Educators, and it's going to start with this conversation. That sounds fantastic. So, Marshall, why don't you tell our listener what Connected Educators is, and, and, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Certainly. Uh, thanks, Mark. So, Connected Educator Month um, is an initiative that Um, seeks to network educators and education stakeholders through um, what we call connected professional learning experiences. Um, So that those being um, professional learning events, activities, opportunities for educators of all levels and and people, you know, interested in K-12 and higher ed and and adult ed to um, engage with their peers and colleagues collaboratively through online and blended learning events. and we spend, um, now this is the, the fourth year running this, um, uh, we spend the month of October um, engaged in what's, um, what, I, what I might call a, a virtual unconference. Um, a virtual it, it, unconference, everybody. So, Marshall, I need to interrupt for a second. We play sure. something on the show called Buzzword Bingo. And, <laughs> and it's when uh, we, we find experts like yourself there's a, a jargon that comes along with that expertise. And so the person who might be listening to us, maybe a small business person, a small business person, a small business owner, uh, an entrepreneur or an educator, we're going to get a lot of teachers listening to this. Explain what that virtual unconference is, because I don't even know what an unconference is. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully I do. Um, now, so... Um, <laughs> Loosely, it's, it's you know, you, if you think about what a conference is, right, it's a place where, you know, there are exhibitors and opportunities and whether it's, you know, product de- demonstrations or, you know, learning sessions, et cetera, that happen in kind of a centralized way and one in a physical place um, with, a, a, you know, a, a tight schedule and, 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 and time slots and, and things like that. So what we, we've kind of flipped that. So Connected mm. Educator Month is online. Um, and distributed. So not only is it like happening um, online, but it's happening all over the globe. And some of the events are purely online. Some of them are streams or recreations or um, recordings of something that happened face to face. 
Um, and the schedule, um, this is kind of where the un comes in. The schedule comes is, is um, fully, you know, populated and owned by the community of organizations and educators that participate. So essentially, you know, if you're thinking of a, like a traditional conference where you sign up and, you know, you get a specific time slot um, and, and a kind of a defined um, space, whether it's a virtual space or a, a, a physical space, um, that that's yours. We um, have a form, and and you, if you're doing a, a professional learning event or activity, and during, um, well, frankly, all year round. But I mean, the 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 emphasis is on October, but you know they occur all year round. Um, you fill out the form, and you get on our our calendar, and our audience, um, which particularly during you know the no, the dedicated CEM period, CEM meaning Connected Educator Month. Um, can peruse the calendar and, and pick whatever they want and participate in whatever way um, they see fit. So it's really, um, you know, we like to talk about it as community owned and community driven. So community being our community of organizations that participate and our, you know, audience of educators. Um, and, and, you know, they build their, they build their own um, conference schedule based on how they want to participate and what they're interested in. And, um, and go at it from there. And we try to, our role is less in kind of organizing a really, um, organizing it in, in like a traditional conference way and more in enabling and promoting. So we want to shine a light on as many great professional learning opportunities for educators as possible during the month. And so um, that's that's why we make the calendar wide open. It's why we focus on kind of serving the organizations that participate to, to, you know, blast their events out over our Twitter network through our newsletters. We have a, a connected educator smart brief um, that comes out every week. And, That's and new so this year, isn't it? It is brand new. Yes. It's, it's uh, pretty exciting too. So, so, so that's kind of what I mean um, by that bit of um, uh, jargon bingo um, or buzzword bingo. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's it's just really distributed. It's really diverse, and it's and it's as wide open as as we can possibly make it, and still kind of call it something that's a defined entity. Marshall, I was uh, taken the first year, which I was coming in on the second year. Uh, Richard Culotta, who's the what's his title? He's the CTO for the Department of Education. The the director of the Office of Educational Technology. Got it. And he called me because we had worked together on another project, and he said, Mark, I really need you to provide, in my words, the connective tissue uh, for all of the teachers. So the same thing we've done with 805 Connect, where we're connecting all the businesses in the region, we do for connected educators through the Ed Connector project to connect all these teachers. I was completely blown away at the reach that your project has, how many, how many, how many people participate in CEM? How many teachers? <laughs> it's really hard to put our finger on. Um, you know, uh, so that's that's uh, probably one of the um, most common questions I get, and it's one of the hardest ones to answer. So, that's um, if we that. look at um, <laughs> we look at a bunch of metrics and, and we're constantly trying to like really, really refine how we look at, at reach every year. Um, but we look at, you know, when we talk about it, we talk about a couple of big ones that are, are, um, are pretty meaningful. So 
Um, like for instance, um, last we talk about, you know, first of all, how many organizations are participating. And so, um, we had over 800 organizations do events and um, activities last year. So 800 companies, businesses, school districts, you know, universities, what, you know, runs the gamut, put something, at least one thing on the calendar last year. Many didn't, several more than that. Um, we talk about our social reach. So um, for Every two days on Twitter um, last year, we were reaching around um, 15 million people via 15 impressions. 15 million. Yeah. Um, so our um, that's as much a product of who our fans and participants are as it is of what we do. I mean, um, we don't we don't have any kind of secret sauce for Twitter. We just have a uh, an audience there that's full of some of the the biggest kind of influencers in the space and so when we put something out there it gets picked up and retweeted and and favorited by some people that have some very very large networks and that people um that other folks listen to um in that space and so things tend to go go pretty viral for us um there were six million web pages about cem last year so if we look at um, kind of Google references, how many times we were referenced on the web, six million times. And um, over, um, we had participants in over 139 countries. So um, and that put on, you know, that attended over a thousand events. So those are kind of the raw, um, you know, usage or, or, you know, availability of information numbers. Um, what we, what we are trying to get better at this year um we know, you know, there are you know tens of thousands of educators that engage in some way, whether it's actually attending an event or favoriting something on Twitter. I mean, it's, you know, part of the the um, uh, nice problem to have, I suppose, with that um, viral nature of that is it, it's hard to pin down. So mm -hmm. we estimated, for instance, when in 2013, which was the second year, we estimated about I want to say 90,000 hours of professional development were participated oh in in some shape or form. Um, you know, and um, that year, I think um, that year we also we issued um, event badges through Mozilla's Open Badger platform, and and had um, a few thousand event badges awarded. So, um, you know that, and that was just for the events that took us up on the offer to um, to issue those badges, which was you know a fraction. It was under half of the events did that. And um, it was also contingent on the participants taking the information and then going and, and you know, claiming their badges. So um, I would say that a small percentage of our users, per, you know, actually took advantage of that. So, you know, the number, I think this one, like, I, I have to look it up, don't remember, but three to 4,000 of, of those event badges were issued. And that's just within the set of activities where the providers were motivated to, to issue them. And then subsequently the people that participated were motivated and, and took the, the their time to actually go out and claim them. Um, you know, we, uh, I think we're pushing 2000 people in ed connector um, and, and working really hard on a couple of initi initiatives to expand that this year. And so, um, so there, there's a so that was kind of a long-winded <laughs> no, answer to the question, but you know really you, you get the idea. 
So Marshall, it's a complicated picture. What is it? So I, I'm talking to the person who's listening right now. If you know a teacher, I want you to stop, pause, forward this episode to that teacher who's going to forward it to another teacher. What is the primary mission of Connected Educators? Because it's not just all about te- just teaching. There, there, there's a focus, isn't there? So um, every year um, we try to um, both. So, so okay, take, I'll take a step back. So the focus is, you know, improving professional learning opportunities for educators. So, um, you know, we we are big believers in the value in having educators have a have a voice and a stake and a, a, a personal um, drive to design their own professional learning experiences. So, mm. you know, we think about mm. like the traditional way teachers get professional development is, you know, it's it's provided by some sort of central organizing body from top down, whether it's the state or the district or, or whatever. And you go and you sit in a session and then you get a little paper at the end and you turn in your paper to, you know, count towards your recertification and, you know, maybe you got value out of the session and maybe you didn't um, get anything beyond that little paper that you can turn in and get your, your research. Um, but the, the big thing is you didn't, you, you know, you didn't have as much of a voice and a choice in that decision as maybe you would like it, you know, that you're dependent on the people providing it to tell you, okay, here's the topic you, you're going to study. And so we, we really see in, in, in the original Connected Educators project, which was a, a federal project that, that AIR, American Institutes for Research, um, collaborated with the um, Office of Edu- Educational Technology on, um, really saw that as, as, as its mission, too, which was um, ex- expanding the ability for educators to take ownership and find professional learning that they found meaningful that really helped them move their practice and improve their practice and was really relevant when, and when available, you know, job embedded that, um, that those educators that could do that, you know, found a lot more meaning and value in the content and the learning experience. And so, um, you know, that's, I think the the meta goal goal for us is um, to keep enabling that, to keep moving that, idea forward that um, personalized professional learning where educators collaborate with each other, where they choose their path and where they um, are able to, to assume some leadership over that um, is, is really valuable and really key for them. And so we try and kind of meet that need by, um, by exploring that idea and presenting a bunch of options. Right. So, you know, I, we talked about when we talked, we were a few minutes ago going through what unconference means. You know, a lot of it was letting folks see everything that's out there and pick what they value, either based on their role or based on a, what they're interested in or based on, you know, if you're talking about a teacher, it's something that maybe they have to teach new this year and they want to learn about it. Well, what do they do? They go to the web and they, they, they find out as much as they can. They talk to other they find peers who have taught that before or who know, who know about that topic and, you know, pick their brains, get, you know, look to share resources and those kinds of ideas where um, educators are filling the kind of professional learning gap on their own um, based on their immediate needs. 
so that's uh, I like that the the self starters are out there looking for that information. They're figuring it out. My experience in talking with teachers is they don't have any time. I mean, they're grading papers at eight o'clock at night, and they don't have a life. And mm-hmm. you know, they they do get the summer off, but the and they get what do they get? Two and a half days of uh, professional in service training a year. How are and obviously, I mean, you know, with uh, as many uh, 90,000 hours of professional development, how are, what are the strategies teachers are using to take advantage of this wealth of information? How, how are they fitting it in? Do you have some stories? Um, well, that's a great question because it, it also relates to um, another one of our kind of recurring goals. It's been a theme that we've explored through the, the previous three iterations of Connected Educator Month, and it's, you know, kind of figuring out how it's less of less a way of like, I mean, teachers will figure out how to find what they need and fit it in. So it's, it's less a a more, uh, you know, it's less about that than it is, well, to a degree, being good consumers, figuring out for them what, what of that volume of stuff that's out there, what's good for them and what's not. But it's also about figuring out how to make this stuff count for something. So mm. if I'm, you know, really, really invested in this community of folks that's on Twitter that has a Twitter chat every Wednesday or Thursday at like 8 p.m. Eastern or, or whenever it is, then I'm, I'm going to this out of, you know, the intrinsic value I get from it. But, you know, it's also improving my professional ability. And so, and I'm investing time and energy and brain power into this. How does this count for something? So how does how does how do you take the traditional model of you know you know continuing education credits or whatever you know the the credentialing body calls them, and expand it so it includes these types of things? Because you know this is and this is a, a pet issue of mine as a former former teacher. Um, it's, and it's one I keep challenging us in, in our initiative to ask is why, why should I do this? Right. If, mm-hmm. if I can get the, if I can go to my in-service days and get my professional credits that way, that in time that I'm paid to be there in a way that I know is going to contribute to my recertification, which is is one of the ultimate goals of the, of, of some of this, why should I spend an hour of my free time at night doing this? Right. Um, it shouldn't be dependent on the fact that I think it's really, you know, really, really important and I'm going to make sacrifices, whether that's, you know, um, making less time with my kids or, or whatever it is, right? I, it shouldn't be dependent on that. There should be a, a mutually um, agreed upon value add for both the folks that are doing it and the folks that are making decisions about, you know, whether this is good professional learning and whether it should count towards somebody's professional growth in some official capacity. Because frankly, you know, you're talking about very busy people, educators who who are already sacrificing so much of their free time to their craft. And now you're talking about, well, let's add more to that, right? Let's, let's promote these, uh, these opportunities that, you know, they take place at night or in early morning or on the Mm -hmm, weekend or whatever. mm -hmm. And, And unless we're finding a way to, you know, make that whether it's for through badges and micro credentials or working with the credentialing bodies or whatever it is, unless we're moving that forward, we're, we're kind of um, in a way almost doing a disservice. It's like, Hey, this stuff's really great, but you have to spend, you know, your nine to 10 PM 
evening time when you could be relaxing or hanging out with your partner or doing whatever you would be doing, <laughs> um, you have to spend it sitting on a webinar or looking at your phone and following a Twitter conversation. And, you know, you're not, you're going to get some internal reward from that and you're probably going to learn some things that help you teach better but you know that's you're not you, you know you're not getting more money for it you're not getting like a, a valuable credit hour that you can then use to either earn a different certification or a, a, or a, an endorsement of some sort you, you know you're not plugging into that that official structure so so given that you're still getting hundreds of thousands of people paying attention and teachers who are doing better. They're figuring out a way to do it. And mm -hmm. we're, I mean, my focus is around the, the connection between businesses and education and how can businesses help their local school. And, and, and I believe education is the, the thing we're, we're not paying enough attention to. And so that's why, why have you on the show? Because I think that, Teachers, especially the ones who are committed and passionate and will find the time, will make the time to do this, are better as a result. They're better teachers. We get better students, which turn into uh, better workforce, new businesses. So it's, it's a long right. ball we're playing. And yep. uh, that's, that's that. So I've got a question. This is ostensibly a lot about a lot of the conversations about integrating technology into the classroom and becoming more facile. Uh, with that, as we see whole districts going to iPads, for instance, and, and all of those kinds of things, there's a huge shift. Does CEM have any notion of the generational reach? Are you, is this mostly younger teachers or older teachers? Do you have any sense of that? We've seen, you know, it runs the, the gamut again. I mean, it's less about, I mean, of course, you know, this is, um, this is the values and the um, interests and the way millennials, for example, like to work and what they see in an employer. This aligns with them really well because we know, you know, from a lot of research and information that that generation really, really values um, flexibility and um, choice when it comes to um, their, you know, their career. And, um, but, you know, it also is, is also about, you know, more about kind of somebody's demeanor or their, you know, you know, risk tolerance or whatever you want to call it, the, the, whatever drives the person to like seek out innovation, innovative stuff and um, try new things and, and, you know, are, you know, who are people who aren't afraid of technology, which are people, you know, that of all ages and demographics that, that do that or that, that don't do that. And so, it's really about and and it's really about the type of educator or person or business you are and 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 how you prefer to operate then and we see those kinds of traits um more so than we see any kind of like generational demographic mm. uh, outside of you know this this um what you know what the younger younger people younger generations are 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 doing um and, you know, we're seeing businesses, frankly, respond to that quicker than we are seeing kind of oh. um, education. I mean, you know, you just, you know, you see things uh, um, in the media about what companies, particularly, you know, larger. I mean, I think a lot of the, the, the big five type um, professional services and consulting companies do this really well, which is, you know, 
are, are they really, you know, whether it's getting rid of annual performance reviews or giving folks more family leave benefits, um, you know, kind of that, those are the types of things that are really, um, uh, that younger people are really interested in and, and that, um, education, if it wants to continue to recruit good talent from emerging generations, I think needs to pay attention to. One of the things that I was really surprised in the first year, because this is a, the, this project started with a commitment from the White House in 2010 to um, connect educators and technology and that, and that it has evolved into this project. So I kind of think of it as a United States initiative, yet there are 139 countries, and I think two years ago there were 72 countries. How has this global audience improved the richness of the experience for, no, I'm going to think of the teacher from Central California? Great question. Um, So teachers, I think, regardless of context, there are some kind of universal issues and so universal challenges and universal, like, you know, celebrate celebratory points. Right. And so, um, being able to kind of see that in some way that, that, you know, working with kids is, you know, context around the globe may be different, but you know, some things are, are the same. I think that's really valuable. Um, I think it also has to do with the way educators provide experiences for their students that, you know, you, you can't do without technology. You think about, Mm. you know, a teacher who's, you know, twice a week for an hour is is in Central California with Skyping with a classroom in, you know, Japan or mm. France or where, I mean, I don't, wherever, you know. And the way that those, um, that experience really kind of flattens the earth for those kids and gives them a bigger global perspective that, than they're going to get if they're just learning about that country from a textbook or something like that. And so... Um, and I think that's that's true for teachers too. You know, you can learn from your peers around the globe. You can share resources and share experiences and participate in similar learning um, opportunities with people from from any any country and and learn something and get something out of it. And and um, so so we've found that to be really important and something we we like to encourage when we can. I, I love that, and I love the role that Ed Connector plays in that. So mm-hmm. if someone yep. goes to uh, connecteducators.org, on, on the top navigation, you'll see a thing that says Ed Connector. If you click that, uh, anybody can join the community. Um, if you're not a teacher, there's a category called Friend of Education, of which I am, so that's what I'm in there for. So if you're actually a, a district administrator or a, a teacher or someone, uh, maybe you're a parent who works uh, you know, once a week in the classroom, you can go sign up. And what it's designed to do is to figure out, you know, where your areas of, as a teacher, where their expertise is, what grade level you're at, um, how long you've been teaching. So kind of all of that. But then it's more, it's aspirational as well. What, what are you looking to learn? What are you looking to others for? Where, where's your focus? Um, what are the things that are important to you? And I know, uh, 
when we built the site with you, um, I remember those three nights where we worked really late uh, coming up with what were the things that were going to be important to teachers to match them on. So it might be, you know, animals in the classroom or it might be uh, blended learning. It might be a, it, you want to talk about buzzword bingo, go on to Ed Connector and <laughs> you're going to find a, a lot of words, but teachers resonate with that. So for instance, and I love to tell this story that you could be a uh, physics teacher in a rural school district and you might be the only physics teacher for 100 miles around. And how do you build that professional or personal learning network using Ed Connector? You could go find other physics teachers who were maybe at middle school level, but they also liked specific aspects of physics or they also taught chemistry or maybe they were also the football coach, right? We, you'll find that a lot and find other people. So it might be that they do this. Um, I, I'm sure there's a word for it. You said earlier, there's a class in Japan and a class um, here in Santa Barbara. So those, those teachers are not only um, developing a peer-to-peer relationship and learning from one another, but they're getting the kids to learn from one another as well. And with Ed Connector, I'm seeing those kinds of matches happen. And mm-hmm. I heard it, I think, New, is New Zealand a part of the project now? Yeah, so last year we had Australia and New Zealand who came to us um, through my colleague and our, our um, Cheryl Nussbaum Beach and her um, partner organization, Powerful Learning Practice. And um, they wanted to do their own Connected Educator Month. And so we supported that. Mm. And um they're doing it again this year and um and you know and as did um Norway last year did their own and, and so um you know we fully support and and endorse countries that want to do that um for themselves and they can they can talk to us about that um you know that's um really kind of the the great thing, you know, to use the, the buzzword again, viral, like when something that's valuable goes viral, I mean, it's not limited to right, um, right. the borders. And so, and, 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 you know, Ed Connector plays a role in that because, you know, it does, you can see, you know, it doesn't matter where this person is, I'm connected to them online and right. they have a skill set I want, I need to learn more about, or they have an idea that I can, that they can share with me and and it doesn't matter where they are. One of the things I learned in working with uh, AIR, which is the American Institutes for Research, is this is the outward facing project that you're working on now, but you're very, very data-driven organization. And you look at all of the metrics and you did really well on recalling those seven stats you gave us earlier. One of the things I look at is the next step after the metrics is the insight that comes from that. And then you feed that insight back up through Department of Ed and other channels. What would you say has been the biggest surprise to you? Wow, that's a great question. Um, Nothing but great questions here. That's yeah, all, right, that's right. Um, <laughs> so... I mean, frankly, I mean, if I look back to the start of this project, right? So if I look back to, and and this came to get Connected Educator Month, to, to be frank, came together in a few months in mm. 2012. It was, um, 
was an idea that came out of a, a meeting we had for that project um, with our, you know, technical advisory group, which are kind of experts in the field of online communities of practice and and online professional learning, and and we raced forward and put it together and put it out there in August, and we're, you know, I I think the biggest surprise was that it was like there was so much participation and and excitement about it, and um, you know, it was a one-time thing that after it was over people right away said hey so is it mm-hmm. in august again mm-hmm. next year what you know when do we start talking about next year i'm like next year oh next year okay no <laughs> so good deed goes unpunished <laughs> yeah yeah so so i mean that was i mean to me that's always been uh, surprising is how um you know we get kind of into the weeds on, on, on my side of things, trying to figure out how to make it happen. Right. And how to put it all together. And, um, it, you know, you know, everyone's always their own worst critic. So we're always, you know, our team, Cheryl, myself, Tom DeBoer from, from Grinwald Associates, who's another, another partner organization working on this with us. Um, always are, are thinking, boy, we could have done more. Like we could have done this differently. We could have done this better. We could have offered this. We could have, you know, if only we had time and resources, we could have, you know, done X, Y, and Z. And boy, we really missed the boat. And and then we're surprised because, you know, the feedback that comes back to us is always overwhelmingly positive. It's uh, that one of my favorite um, hours is the recap hour on the last day and listening to, the staggering statistics. I mean, I don't know how you do better than 90,000 hours of professional development content that gets created or, you know, 6 million web pages. Um, but the, let's talk about that. You know, you did year one, then you came back and did year two. Then you had a challenge in that the funding was cut, yet everybody said, this is fantastic. This can't go away. I, we need this. And you continue to do that. So how is it you've been able to, you know, rally the meager resources to keep this valuable project alive? It's always a, it's, it's a challenge. Um, and, and so and I, I'll take a step back and actually say, you know, the funding picture. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily a matter of it being cut. I mean, our contract was coming to an end and, you know, the department thought that, you know, this had gone to a certain point under that contract, but it could be so much more if we turn it over to the community. I think that that's the the way that a lot of us see it. And so, but that, yeah, that did create that challenge. And so it's really a lot of, you know, talking to people and um, building relationships and expanding relationships from organizations that have, have participated over the years and saying, look, you know, you've, we we all think this is a great thing and sure. you know we can communicate to it to a certain you know if you're organization x we can communicate a certain value to you for participating in this and but you know we ha- you know to be blunt no you know we don't work for free we don't we this isn't like something where we're trying to build this profit driving money making machine we're trying to make enough money to do it right, <laughs> to raise enough right, funds to right. do it and and put it on and keep it going and so um communicating that is 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 is, a, is you know a big effort and and building and figuring out ways and because 
for any kind of organization, whether it's somebody that can afford to be a sponsor or an organization that that doesn't have that kind of operating budget or flexibility, but really has some activity that is valuable that they can add. Um, an example of that is um, our, my um, colleague, at, you know, formerly of AIR, now um, uh, Director of Policy and Research at National Council of Teachers of English, Darren Cambridge. Um, he brings in NCTE and, and people resources and ideas last year and again this year to, to drive a theme forward. And that creates mm, a lot of, mm. it creates valuable content and ideas for Connected Educator Month. There's no, I mean, and you can quantify that with a dollar value. And it, it's as good as somebody saying, hey, here's X amount of dollars. Sure. Now you, you go do this. In fact, you know, it's some, you know, it's, 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 it does that same thing. It creates something for the connected community and connected educator month, regardless of who does it and why, because, you know, we know they're a valuable partner. They do great work and we can collaborate with them to do it. And there are other organizations that come in and, and make that kind of in-kind offer um, to, to take on a piece of connected educator month, make it their own and add value. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to be a part of that with yes. the Ed Connector. and Yes, that's a very valuable piece, and we really appreciate the relationship and how you've worked with us over the years. And um, I will tease that I can't tease too many specifics, but there's some in, exciting developments coming in the next couple of weeks with Ed Connector oh, that's that, great. that are going to really Yay. expand the size and reach and, and, and potential of the platform. Well, I was, you know, in the back of my mind thinking uh, when I looked at the map inside of Ed Connector and I see great vast space with no people from the 805, no teachers, uh, this is just wrong. I mean, it's just, a, you know, I'm a hometown boy here okay. and we've created this project. It's national, it's global. Heck, it's in 60, you know, it, it's, it's everywhere. And I met with the um, assistant superintendent here at uh, Santa Barbara Unified, who's head of ed tech. And it was like we did a Vulcan mind meld in about 40 <laughs> seconds. And he is, he's my new hero, knowing that he is extremely connected in ed tech. And, and I'm so encouraged. I just met him a couple weeks ago. And I said, listen, I'm going to have Marshall on the show. And then I want to get the show out to all of the teachers and he, he's allowing me to guest post on the Santa Barbara Unified mm -hmm. Teachers website now because we're involved, you know, we run the NASA site for STEM education and I'm I'm just so committed to anything we can do to help educators cuz they're doing the hardest work out there. And so I'm I'm just thrilled we've got this service. It's free, right? Te teachers don't pay anything. It's mm -hmm. you know, this is we're all bootstrapping this as much as possible. And I would encourage, again, hit the pause button, forward this show to a teacher you know. And this is, um, by the way, you said, so there's uh, preschool, kindergarten, you even said adult ed, higher ed, so anybody who's teaching. So it even could be someone who is, let's say they're not in the school system, but they're a corporate educator. I mean, they, they do training programs. If you teach anybody you're going to learn something through Connected Educators Month. Is that true? I would say so. Um, you know, I think that there are certain um, topics and truths and, and issues that kind of transcend, you know, whether it's industry or 
public education or higher ed or whatever. And, and, um, and I think that the other thing that, you know, just simply kind of coming to the site and observing what's going on and seeing what types of events are happening sure. and seeing how people are learning, you're going to learn that. I mean, right. learn something of that. I mean, I, you know, I used to work in corporate education. Um, oh. I had a kind of a, a blip in my career between when I was in K-12 and when I was and doing what I do now. And I, I worked in, it was a project manager for e-learning and instructional design projects. And, and so, and I've learned, I mean, I continue to learn because so much of what um, is kind of is driving different ways that professionals, whether educators or not forward is, you know, how learning designers and people and providers can harness emerging tech. And so mm-hmm. emerging mm-hmm. tech and new tools and apps and things like that are a huge, um, part of Connected Educator Month and people showing off and trying new things. And so, um, you know, that's, that's something that anybody can, can learn about through the, through the month and see happening through the month. I love that. So every, everybody's welcome. And mm-hmm. as much as I would love you to all sign up for 805 Connect, I would love you more to go to connectededucators.org and take a look you don't have to sign up you don't have to do anything just take a look but then if you do sign up and sign in there's it it's it is spectacular so marshall we th- this time just evaporated honestly <laughs> that was uh that was fantastic so um i want to thank you so much and remind people go to connectededucators.org and one of the things we do on our show that's kind of fun is um, we spend the next minute or so trying to give a name to what we just talked about, something that's interesting. So if you saw this name on the list of podcasts, you it would instantly, oh, I want to listen to that. And so you get first dibs at giving this a name. Okay. Um I don't suppose if we just used my name, it would create much interest. So, uh, that, you know. Um, we, that's why we do this. Yeah. So, um, what would I call it? Um, I, I'll, I'll go to our kind of our mission statement, I think, you know, which is, you know, Connected Educator Month. Um, and maybe this is too, you know. Collaboration and innovation to transform professional learning and affect educational change. And that's really long and wordy, so I don't know if that fits your needs, but, you know. <laughs> Mark's, well, a, Mark's I, a wizard at this. I only, I only have 100 characters. That's so, that's <laughs> okay, okay, well. Um, I, I, have, I have found something, I think, collaboration and innovation in education uh, will there work. There you go. And, uh, it, you know, it's kind of funny, Patrick, uh, I, you know, I manage the stats. We've got what, 20 shows up now. Yeah. And the first week we were out, it was a conversation with, and the person's name. And yeah. it was like, I, I don't know these people. They're fascinating people. You <laughs> want to know better. Yeah. And as soon as I put titles, the, I started spiking and the number one listen to podcast right now is called, um, achieving professional mastery. Yeah, uh, by an order of magnitude over number two, and I don't think people know that they're listening to a ninth Don Hopkito Grandmaster because that title gets them in. And we were talking about mastery, so uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think it's good for all folks uh, who everybody either has a teacher, has been a teacher, knows a teacher, or is teaching, 
and uh, this is a just a fantastic resource. So thank you again so much. And I want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services for their support of the show. Our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for I, I just love the setup here. I love working here. And to Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. The 805 Project is sponsored and supported by partners throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. More information is at 805connect.com. And Patrick, how can our listener help us right now? Uh, right now, just go back into that uh, that podcast app that you're listening to this through and uh, throw us a review. Uh, hit the stars button. We take all commentary very seriously, so any uh, any critique you have of this program, we'd love to hear it. Um, and secondly, call your mothers. They miss you. And on that note, until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 